Welcome to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. This is Brian Kletter, the creator and host of the podcast. You can engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought or at Counterthought CEO and on our Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast. For audio versions of the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and more. And for video versions of the podcast, join us on YouTube at the Counterthought channel. Let's go. Well, the inevitable happened. Deion Sanders has left Jackson State University and has gone on to Colorado signing a five-year, $29.5 million contract with the university. A lot of people said this was bound to happen, but many others were hoping that Dion would be the next Eddie Robinson. So did he make the right move, or did Dion Sanders, Coach Prime, sell out HBCUs? Hello and welcome to another episode of Counterthought. Thank you for joining me. We're going to talk about Deion Sanders or Coach Prime and his move from Jackson State University, a historically black college in HBCU, moving on this past week to Colorado. Now, Colorado is not good. They have not been good for a long time. The last time they were, they were good, I think they had one or two seasons within the past five or six years in which they were, they were decent. Uh, they used to be longtime members of the Big 12, moved to the Pac-12 with all this conference realignment that's been going on over the last uh, decade to a decade and a half. And the last time they were legitimately good, uh, but my memory is when Cordell Stewart was was their quarterback, which which was in the early 90s. So a lot of people say, okay, well, why why would Deion Sanders, you know, NFL Hall of Famer, two-sport superstar, baseball, pro baseball, and pro football, why would he go from Jackson State University, a place which he was beloved, not only by fans of Jackson State, the alumni of Jackson State, but also by those who support uh, historically black colleges, HBCUs, why would he leave that after two years for an FBS school, which isn't even one of the better schools in their conference, the Pac-12? Why would he do that? Now, there are a lot of opinions out there. I'm going to give you mine in this episode. Opinions vary from, oh, well, he sold out HBCUs. You know, he had a great thing going. He didn't even fulfill his promise that he was selling to the kids, selling to those recruits. He stayed for three seasons, but really just two years because of a COVID year. Sure, he did great, but he sold out, man. He sold out. He chased the money. He's going on to trying to climb the ladder instead of staying put and really trying to build up Jackson State University. And then hopefully that will be a rising tide for FCS and HBCUs and, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. Then you have others that are like, oh, well, I mean, this was bound to happen. He didn't sell them out. I mean, if you were, if you're a Jackson State fan, then, you know, you're just being hopeful and, you know, hope tends to fade or gets dashed. And the goal of a coach is to continue to climb and climb and climb and climb and climb from prestige from you know a lower school as far as you know football goes in football terms up to a prestigious school the the creme de la creme you know like that's the goal and then if you can if you go from college and you make the jump to the NFL do the same thing and then there are others who you know will say 
you know, a little both sides of the coin. They'll be like, okay, well, yeah, he didn't fulfill his promise to Jackson State or to those kids that he recruited. He didn't even stay long enough to see his first recruiting class go from, you know, the four years or five years freshman through senior year and graduate. He didn't even stay that long. And then on the other hand, you say, but you know, I, I don't fault him for going for the job because maybe he has a longer term vision. So we're going to dive into all that here on this episode. So Deion Sanders, again, if you are not familiar, goes by Coach Prime. He was known as Prime Time whenever he was playing playing football. He played for, I believe, five different teams. Uh, most notably, where he was drafted by the Falcons, played for the 49ers, played for the Cowboys. I remember him most when he was with the Cowboys. You know, he was a punt return specialist, kickoff return. His primary position on the field, though, was defensive back, was quarterback. He was locked down corner, accounted for. I don't even know the exact amount, but he might lead like all-time records and in interceptions. I'm not entirely sure, uh, but I think he set the NFL record for uh, kick return touchdowns slash punt return touchdowns. The number is 19. So um, NFL Hall of Famer. He was elected. He got his gold jacket back in 2010 or 2011. And him going to Jackson State University again, small HBCU was huge for $300,000. That's all they offered him and could afford for his contract, $300,000 per year. Now, if you look at the top programs in what used to be division one, which is now FBS, $300,000 doesn't even pay a position coach. Position coaches now are getting anywhere from 500,000 to 750,000 even upwards almost to 1 million. Coordinators are definitely getting over a million at these top programs. So $300,000 for a superstar, you know, a former superstar athlete was you know, like, okay, well, we, we, we really got something going on here. Coach, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, he is invested in the vision that he is you know, going to build the program up, that he is selling to the recruits. He brought in the top player, National High School Football Player of the Year to Jackson State University, a school that didn't even average, you know, maybe 20 to 30,000 fans per game. Now, while Deion Sanders was the head coach, Coach Prime, they averaged 42,000 per game, you know, like an exponential growth in attendance. But he was only there for three seasons. Now, he did a lot. He joined or he was hired and accepted you know, the position as head coach at Jackson State University during COVID. The COVID season was played in the spring for, for them. So we had early spring 2021, summer training, fall 2021, and then fall 2022 this past year. As head coach, they went 27 and 5. They were the 2021 and 2022 SWAC champions, the Southwestern Athletic Conference. And um, he brought a lot of notoriety, a lot of cameras and lights, spotlight to Jackson State University and other HBCUs. While Coach Prime was there, while Deion Sanders was there, H, uh, Jackson State actually became the first HBCU to ever have a spring football game televised. It was televised on ESPNU. Like that is, that is unheard of. FCS schools 
they don't have their spring games televised. I mean, it's hard enough to watch a spring game for a top uh, FBS school. I mean, I graduated from the University of Florida, you know, Florida Gators, huge football program. And it's tough just to watch the, just to watch a spring game for them. But to have ESPN, the premier sports television network, come to your school and air your spring game live, monumental. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And this past week, December 3rd, Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, has had been going through rumors for weeks and weeks, rumored, oh, he's going to take the Auburn job. Oh, he's going to go over to this program. Well, Colorado ended up winning the sweepstakes. December 3rd, he signed with Colorado. The Buffaloes, they announced the contract to be five years, $29.5 million, with only a $500,000 base salary. And the the athletic director is on record saying, like, right now they they don't have the money, the $29.5 million right now for this contract, but there are a lot of bonuses and incentives, and it's getting paid for, you know, um, for sponsorships and endorsements. And again, only a 500000 base salary. But even though they don't have the money now, he's confident that they will get the money. And how are they going to get that money? Well, ticket sales, right? Contributions, boosters, alumni, giving back to the school, attending the school, uh, football games on campus, you know, buying merchandise, all of that. Because as part of the Pac-12, even though Colorado is, has been terrible of late, terrible for uh, 25 to 30 years for the most part, the way these conference TV contracts are structured, the Pac-12 gives a piece of the pie to Colorado. So the funding is already better than what Deion Sanders had, Coach Prime had, at Jackson State University. I mean, he did great things, again, at Jackson State. A lot of accomplishments. He got money and improvements to their football facilities. Not all parts of their facility. You know, not to to par of these uh, Alabamas or Ohio States or Michigans or Floridas, Oklahoma. Nothing, nothing to that level. But he got money... Um, he got donations and an investment to improve the football program. Now at Colorado, he's got, you know, starting off at a higher level because of that money with TV revenue share and everything else that goes into these, into the PAC 12 and the FBS schools and their conferences. But I want to focus more on the public reaction and whether or not you believe Deion Sanders has became a sellout and sold out HBCUs. Now I mentioned, you know, early earlier that some people wanted Deion Sanders to be the next Eddie Robinson of Grambling State. Eddie Robinson went on to win over 300, 300 victories at Grambling State. I believe he is the all-time wins leader in football, college football history. And those people who wanted him to be the next Eddie Robinson are calling Deion Sanders a sellout. They're calling him a sellout because their feelings are hurt. They had hope. They believed that what Deion Sanders was doing at Jackson State University was exactly what was a commitment and exactly what needed to be done, not only for Jackson State, but also to bring more, again, 
of a focus on HBCUs, a rising tide lifting all boats, all of those boats being HBCUs. And now that he's left for Colorado, he's considered to sell it because he did not finish his vision. The vision he was selling the recruits, he was selling, you know, um, be a man of character, be a man of discipline, dress this way, not this way, do this, not that. You know, treat, teaching 18-year-olds, 18 to 22-year-olds to become men and be ready to be men when they enter the real world, whether they're uh, the real world for them, the future after they graduate is football or not. But he was only there for three seasons and really just two years from uh, August or September of 2020 through December of 2022. You know, again, the kids that he recruited, that first recruiting class, just finished their, their sophomore year. Maybe their junior year, depending on how, uh, you know, the COVID season played out in, in the recruitment. But his first full year to recruit going into that 2021 season, not the spring season, but the fall season, those recruits have only played two seasons. He hadn't, he did not stay long enough to even have that first full recruiting class complete the vision. And I'm going to knock Dion a little bit on that because, yeah, sure, that's what coaches do. I mean, not all coaches even survive the first three or four years to actually have their first recruiting class go through and uh, the process and, and uh, be a graduate through that coach's vision. But it does come off as Dion, I don't want to say sold a bill of a bill of goods because maybe when he was talking to these recruits, he was actual actually truthful in that the vision he was selling, he intended on being there for its entirety. Now, Eddie Robinson length, probably not. Again, that was that was hopeful. I believe that was wishful thinking. That's probably the the best scenario that would have happened for Jackson State University and other HBCUs. I mean, if you are a college football fan, you may have noticed that this season that just finished up, 2022, the first football weekend, ESPN had, you know, they had, I think, their first take um, TV show with Stephen A. Smith. They had him on campus uh, down here in Orlando, where I am, uh, promoting uh, this Disney, which is ABC and ESPN, promoting this like HBCU weekend. He was down here. Again, bringing cameras and a spotlight to HBCUs. And then even ESPN or, you know, one of their networks, either ESPN or ESPN2, ESPNU, televised a couple of games that first football weekend. I believe one of them was Georgia State in Atlanta. They play, I think, at the old Turner Field, which is where the Atlanta Braves used to play. So again, this was stuff that, to my knowledge, has never happened before. All the HBCU spotlight was very dim beforehand. And all you would see for an HBCU would just be like, you know, scrolling across a little ticker along the bottom of ESPN, you get a score update and that's it. Or just a final score, maybe not even an update throughout the day, just the final score. So Dion did great things. And I, and I admit it would have been great to see him commit six, I guess, commit like eight years to Jackson State. Eight years. But then some of the other reactions from those in the media and the public were, okay, well, 
I'm not going to say he sold out Jackson State and other HBCUs by leaving, but I am going to say that that Black America, the wealthy, did not do enough to help keep him there. Dion brought in money. He brought in money for the program through individuals like CEOs or corporations making donations to the school. He reached out to his friends like Michael Strahan, who I believe donated suits for every single one of his players to wear, you know, on game day, arrive on the bus looking good, looking clean, looking sharp. He called on other individuals that he knew, wealthy individuals that he knew to make contributions in some way, a donation in some way. But then this other group of this group of people is like, okay, well, what about what about the 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 prominent black billionaires? LeBron James, where was his commitment? Oprah Winfrey, where was her commitment? Jay-Z, Beyonce, where, where were their donations? Where were all of their donations to Jackson State or to other HBCUs? Now, LeBron, to his credit, has given, you know, created um, that school in Akron, which is where he is from, where he grew up. But that was some of the the, the sentiment, the, the, I guess, one third of the reactions coming from the media and the public is like, okay, well, yeah, Dion left early, but did did the wealthy blacks in America do enough to actually keep him there? Again, his salary was $300,000. Yes, money is not everything because of the because he already has money from his success as a player, you know, through endorsements. I'm sure he got paid a decent amount of money when he was a a broadcaster for for about 6 to 10 years or so after he was done playing. But $300,000 is is peanuts and he gave most of that salary if not all of that salary back so that um, it could go into the the pot to hire assistant coaches. It was brought up by um, I believe it was Delano Squires, Professor Delano Squires. If not, I saw it on a, on a different video within this within this one third of the reaction of you know did did Black America do enough to keep him at uh, JSU? A statistic I saw was that only eleven percent of HBCU graduates donate to their school. Eleven percent. Eleven percent. They don't go to a game, whether it's football or another sport. They don't wear the paraphernalia, you know, shirts, jackets, sweatshirts, whatever. They just they just don't donate. Eleven percent, one out of nine HBCU graduates donate to their school. And Delano Squires, Professor Delano Squires, this was on Jason Whitlock's Fearless show, said that many that many blacks find success and decide to quote, move on up to suburban neighborhoods instead of remaining in the neighborhoods they grew up in. And that's true. I mean, you think of you think of the Jeffersons like moving on up, you know, to the east side, that famous song. The goal was not to stay in the rough, impoverished neighborhoods, the ghettos where where they grew up. It's once you are able to move up and out, you do that. And I thought that was very interesting. And I mean, true, very true. Me, I am not black, but I am white, but I did not grow up with a lot of money. But my goal is to, with my family to get to the income level necessary. And then once we attain that income level, 
to move on up and out of where we currently live in Orlando and move to a better area, you know, better houses, better, you know, more safety, security, education, all of it. So I'm guilty of that too. I don't want to stay and build up where I'm from. I would rather get up and out. And then because I was watching, you know, Jason Whitlock's fearless show, this was, this was his take. He said, many black kids would rather be mediocre or middle of the road at a higher ranked non HBCU school than excel at an HBCU school. And like, what is, what is that? Like, why is there some type of, um, some type of fulfillment that they're seeking, some affirmation that is being that is being sought out. Maybe go to University of North Carolina instead of North Carolina A&T. You know, go to Wake Forest, go to um, NC State, Duke instead of North Carolina A&T or another school. If you could go to the University of Georgia or Georgia Tech instead of Georgia State. You know, things like that, like, why is there this, or I guess he's saying that there is this um, reality that a lot of um, black kids high, graduating high school, applying to colleges, would rather go to a, I guess, more established non-HBCU school than to an HBCU school. And that in itself hurts HBCU schools. You know, kids are that could be going and attending there and becoming doctors, lawyers, engineers, chemists, biologists, you know, architects, whatever. They're not going to those HBCU schools. They're going to another school. And then therefore those individuals are not giving back, even though it is just 11%, not giving back to those schools and, and, you know, not showing the support that they would, would or could be showing if they did decide to go to an HBCU school. And then the third take or the third grouping of, of the reaction is that Dion should have gone to Colorado. You know, I got no issues with that. That's what he should have done. You know, that's the next step, you know, progressing up the ladder, climbing the ladder, the coaching ladder. He's going to go from being a head coach at Jackson state university to being a head coach at an FBS school. He doesn't want to be an assistant coach. Maybe that's why he went to Colorado instead of, you know, instead of another program. Other programs might not have been willing to commit to him or be able to meet the, meet the contract that Colorado was offering. Maybe he sees something in Colorado. He mentioned security whenever he first addressed the, uh, his team at Colorado. Because Jackson, Mississippi, is, has high crime. He had things stolen. Uh, coach Prime, Deion Sanders had stuff stolen out of his his office at the university, uh, there are reports or speculations that uh, his son, who was on the football team, quarterback, had things stolen from him or, you know, was uh, confronted in the streets or on campus or off campus because people know who he is and know his dad has money and he has money and he's wearing all the chains and the swag and everything else. So maybe that's, one of the reasons why security again, that was mentioned when he had, when Deion Sanders addressed the, uh, the Colorado team that first day or, you know, first week. So the third grouping is, you know, I got no problem with him going to Colorado. It was 
it was bound to happen. It was inevitable. I agree with that. The likelihood that Deion Sanders was going to stay at Jackson State and become the next Eddie Robinson, minuscule. Minuscule. We see coaches all the time go from small programs to the next program up to the next program up. Again, Florida Gator. I went to the University of Florida, attended from 04 to 2008. Urban Meyer went from Bowling Green, went to the University of Utah, excelled at both of those schools, and then University of Utah, which was not part of the Pac-12 at that time. They were part of the Mountain West Conference, to the University of Florida. So smaller Bowling Green to bigger Utah to huge University of Florida. That is the progression. That is the progression that most coaches take in college football. And even in the NFL, you climb the ladder. That is the goal. You continue to climb until you reach the, the apex. You reach where you want to get to. And then you do your best to succeed at that spot, at that level, and with that team. So did Dion make the best decision? Again, he did not finish the dream that he was selling to the student-athletes, to the recruits at Jackson State University. I would have liked to see him at least be there for four years to at least get his, his first recruiting full recruiting class through and graduated and selling the dream, you know, a completion of that one, one cycle of the dream. So a little bit earlier, you know, six to eight years, be able to see see him go and see what he can accomplish and see what everyone else in the sports industry, again, the spotlights, how bright that gets, the money coming in to Jackson State and maybe other HBCUs again through like ESPN, focusing and dedicating um, part of their broadcasting to highlight HBCUs. That would have been great. But yeah, I, I think he left a little bit early. But again, he was responsible for many successes. He was 27-5 and five at JSU. He was responsible for increasing the funding. He was responsible for the culture that was created there in those uh, three seasons, but really two years. The exposure, again, ESPN and the like. But at Colorado, again, he can have the same success that he would have had at Jackson State. However, however successful, though, that Deion Sanders is, Coach Prime is, it is not going to be considered as impactful as that same level of success at Jackson State. It will not be considered as impactful for Black America. He could have reached the same levels of success as he did early on at at JSU at Colorado. But it will be seen with the success that Colorado will not be seen at the same level and having as great of an impact as it would have been seen for that at Jackson State. But here's where I land. Dion's story is unfinished. Prior to going to Jackson State, he was coaching high school football. And then Jackson State was willing to, you know, commit to him and hire him on to be a you know head coach and not have to do the assistant path or anything like that within college football. He went straight from straight to head coach. But Deion's story, Deion Sanders' story is unfinished. He could easily coach at Colorado, have success, climb the ladder, continue to climb the ladder, reach the top, come back to 
Jackson State or another HBCU. There is nothing set in stone that his move to Colorado means that he is never going to come back to an HBCU. Imagine how much more maybe he's playing like a long game in his head if if he is truly sincere about the dream he was selling to those recruits at Jackson State. Maybe his long-term plan is to con- continue to climb the ladder within FBS, you know, legacy division one uh, football, college football, and then return back to an HBCU. Imagine if he can have the same amount of success at, a, at an FBS school or FBS schools and then bring that back to HBCUs. Maybe that's his play. Either path, though, Dion's story is unfinished. It's unfinished, and we can all speculate what is going to happen. But all that is is speculation. We need to continue to watch and see what he does. And as his story remains unfinished, I must admit, so far, it's a good read. Thank you for listening to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. Remember to subscribe and like or rate the podcast on your podcast app or on YouTube and engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought at counterthought CEO or on Facebook at counterthought podcast.